Hi everyone. Hi there. This is Holly. And Daniel. And you are listening to the 50th episode of Halfway Saves. <sighs> we just we just shot confetti cannons in our basement. It's gonna be a horrible mess. <laughs> Oh, Holly let off. <laughs> she set one off late. <laughs> you know, it deserved a second uh, confetti. It should. It should do fifty. We should. It deserves. No, it's not. <laughs> but I was ready. I know. Uh, but yeah, we made it to number fifty. Only took us a year and three months. Yeah, you know, we had a kid. Yeah, I know. I was there. I know, but I just wanted human. Whatever. We had a kid. <laughs> it took us a little while to get to 50. No, but it, it's exciting. It is exciting. I can't believe we've had a, enough stuff to talk about for 50 episodes. <laughs> That's the real surprise. I mean, for, for real. I mean, we try to just pull from what's going on in life. So as long as we keep living, we should have enough content, right? Nah. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> Time will tell if we die. We're able to keep going with the podcast. Gosh. Uh, me and my next wife will continue the podcast. It's true. He will. He'll move on without me. <laughs> no. I'm I just would. kidding. We'd have to assess the situation. Hopefully, neither of us dies. This anyway, week. so enough with the death and extra spouse. Not extra. Successive spouses. <laughs> I like to have three or four wives on hand, you know? It's just better to be prepared. Stop. <laughs> um, yeah, but number 50, feeling good, going strong. We're just hitting our stride. We really are. Believe it or not, it's only going to get better from here. <laughs> Gosh, I hope so. I do think we've gotten better. I think that we've ebbed and flowed. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we ebbing or flowing? Do you know the difference? <laughs> what is ebbing? <laughs> huh? You used it. You got to back it up. <laughs> no. This is going to be really embarrassing. This is going to be wrong. What What does it mean? What does Eb mean? Like bobbing around. Like like when, like when a buoy. <laughs> That's buoying. Ebbing. Ebbing. I don't know. I think it's, I don't really know for sure either, but I think it's when the tide goes out. It ebbs and flows back in. Because what's a neap uh, tide? Is it, what? Is neap high tide? Is neap? A neap t- That's yeah. not a word. It, it is so a word. Oh my God. N-E-A-P. Neap. <laughs> Thank you. I just won the spelling bee. No, Dana doesn't know how to spell tornado. No, I think I may have said that. I know we. I lost the eighth grade this. spelling bee because I misspelled tornado. Mm-hmm. Because okay, there were you got confused. I got confused where I was in the word, and you couldn't start it over again. Which is half of the point of a spelling bee. Just no, saying. you should be able to. <laughs> <laughs> if you know you're wrong, you should be able to start over from the beginning. No. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anywho, we're back. And it was a great weekend today. It's finally... It was. It was for whatever, nice this is. It was like the first nice... Well, it rained Saturday afternoon, but Friday was like the first nice spring day we've had where it wasn't cold. Where we weren't rainy. having to wear jackets or have the yeah. heat on the house. Of course, it's we went May. On a, <laughs> yeah. Of course, we went on a walk and complained about how hot it was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because I was still dressing for like I had a long sleeve shirt and yeah. jeans on. That was stupid. But yeah, it's taking a long time to heat up. Yeah, it'll get there. It'll get there. And then it'll be like ninety in July, and we'll heat it. Yes, no doubt about it. Yeah, but we got to go on a walk. Went to um, a lovely 
religious items store. It's called the St. Jude Shop. It's like a Catholic. It's a Catholic store. store. Bookstore. You can get your Is that its own there. genre though? Catholic store. I think I think that our listeners understand what a Catholic store is. Oh, they may not have them. Well, we didn't have one in our hometown. I still would know what it was if someone's at a Catholic store. I don't know. Anyway, I had a gift card for my birthday, and I, <laughs> I got to buy um, Man and Woman. He created them by Carol Watoya, Pope St. John Paul II. He was actually Pope I know, when he wrote him. I so just you're, was about you're a little, to correct myself. You're a little bragging about how you know how to pronounce his real name. I Failed. Only because of um, lanky guys. Yeah. But, um, no, I'm really excited about it. It's all the theology of the body talks. Yeah, so the... The theology of the body as a thing comes from a series of audiences. Saint Wednesday John Paul audiences. II, yeah, St. John Paul II gave, and they're collected in this book called Man and Woman. He created them. And it's all, ex- those are all <laughs> expanded from his book that he wrote while he was not Pope. Well, while he was cardinal. still Cardinal. Mm-hmm. As Carol, what, is it Waitoya? Watiwa, I think. Watiwa. No, it's Wa- not. I think it's Watiwa. Watoya. Watoya. No, because it's Camp, Wa- Camp Watiya. No. But Toya. It's like Toya. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um, called Love and Responsibility. So there's <laughs> all your facts about T.O.B. Yeah. But I'm really excited about it. It's really thick, and it's probably going to be pretty lofty. But I can read it, like, talk by talk and kind of reflect on it, which will be easier for me to digest as I'm going to read them before falling asleep at night. Yeah. So Holly, <laughs> you were good about it for a while, but then once we had blaze you can't really i mean i literally get two paragraphs in and i fall asleep so she thought the best thing to do was like a 500 page book (laughs) (laughs) that's fairly dense no theologically it's gonna help me get to sleep (laughs) (laughs) no and i also will read it during like certain times of the day that i have a chance Mm. and that is it's good that's broken up by individual talks Mm. you can kind of take one and digest it exactly yeah but I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I haven't. Well, I've been going to the library a lot. I haven't bought a new book in a while. I know you got me some for my birthday, but I think that's the last one. What did I get you for your? Oh um, yeah, the Jose Maria Escriba. Mm-hmm. We talked about it on the podcast. We did. Um. Yeah, we don't like to buy books because we're cheap, and there are libraries. Yeah, they don't fall free. Well, it depends on the kind of book. If it's just like. A novel to read for yeah. fun. I'll get it from the library, but if I want to keep it and read it again, like or, the parenting books, I'm really excited about yeah. having them because I can circle and underline. Oh man! And I love. She gets the parenting activity books. So there's <laughs> word searches, stickers, <laughs> underlining, circle the right, circle the right action. No, um, no, but I've been reading a lot of the Pop Checks, uh, parenting books, which have been really great, and I like that I can uh, mark. Dog ear the pages. Mm-hmm. I hate when Holly dog ears pages. I know it's a big pet peeve of Daniel's. Cause then you, what? And they're bent. Uh, well, that that's that's why I do it. I want them to be bent. No, use a bookmark. It's my book. I like to be like, this is mine. Holly read this, and Holly thought this page was interesting. Cause I like if someone else else reads it, reads it, they're like, oh, why did she find this page interesting? Oh, Holly's so deep and insightful. <laughs> or. That's just where I ended that night. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a code. I, like, mark the top right corner or, like, whatever corner, top page. 
Okay. <laughs> the top. The, technically speaking, it's the top page. The top of the page. Corner top page. Thank you. I mark that if it's like when I'm just leaving, and if I like something on the page that I want to refer back to, I corner the bottom of the page. <laughs> so it's basically an origami crane by the time she's done with it. That's just two things. But I do want to say. Um, every time I talk about dog earring pages, I think about this song that I used to love in high school. <laughs> but it was a band called The Matches. And I last night was thinking about dog ear pages, and I was like, I should listen to that song again. Because I think about it so often, and I forget how it goes. It is terrible. It's, uh, it's so like emo. It's like lame pop punk band that Holly was really into. Oh my gosh, it was like this small punk, punk band, too. Oh, you've probably never heard of them, because Holly's so... I think I found them at Warp Tour. I don't know, but they were. It was so bad. I couldn't even. It was. I was embarrassed. I was thoroughly embarrassed. As you should be. Anywho. Anywho, we're boring them. So back at Easter, we. I don't think we mentioned your five-year Catholic anniversary. No, because I always forget about it. Yeah, you've been Catholic for five years. Five whole years, and it's been awesome. I can't believe it's been five. That's a long time. Because right before we got married. It's almost, it's close. Oh, Holly's doing math. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, quote unquote, became a Christian the summer after my freshman year of high school. So we're like only a couple years away from being Catholic for longer than I've ever been, than I've been a Christian. I mean, yeah. How long ago was that? I don't know. You tell me. I think it was like eight years. Freshman year of high school would have been 2003 for you? No. You graduated in 2007. Yeah. So 2003. Yeah. So 2003, we got married and we became Catholic in 2011. Uh huh. So that would have been eight years. Eight years. You got three more years. Three more years. Then I can. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um. Yeah, but last week was Pentecost, mm-hmm. and I sometimes whenever I hear things, I have a visual in my head for them, and I don't really realize that that's a visual for it until I like step back. Mm-hmm. But every time I talk about Pentecost, sorry, I was sitting really uncomfortably. <laughs> yeah, she was sitting <laughs> like I, cross-legged in an armchair. My back was hurting, so I had to fix it. But um, every time I think about Pentecost, I always had this. Uh, visual of this painting that was behind the altar of the church that I went to when I was growing up. The Lutheran church. I was going to get there. It was Lutheran. It was Lutheran. And as I said in one of our very early podcasts that like growing up, we were Christmas and Easter kind of churchgoers, but I still was confirmed in the church and went through all the classes for that in middle school. And I don't remember a lick of what we learned in the classes. I mean, I remember learning about the 95 theses, but I, I don't remember any facts. But what I do remember is sitting for hours, not hours, for long periods of time in that church and looking at that painting and just like staring at it because it was these guys and they had little flames above their heads and there's an angel coming down and they all were looking at each other with like, they're all really happy and I didn't understand what that was, what they were excited about. And so I just would stare at it and, like, try to figure it out. And so co- coming away from that, like, um, thinking about being taught something versus, like, contemplating it, um, that 
painting, like I was just, that's what I remember about those three years of middle school is that painting. I do not remember what I was taught. <laughs> and maybe it's just because I'm a visual learner, but it made me kind of appreciate what we have in the church in icons mm. and that we can reflect on them. And even like, it's almost something, there are a lot, like part of my, my a big quality of me is that I like stare at something and study it without even realizing it. So like with icons, you're you taking mean, in something. Do you mean icons specifically or just images? Yeah, I just mean images. I'm right. sorry. I'm using the term incorrectly. But like. <laughs> you were. Don't try no, it. I'm, not, I'm being real. Okay. Um, but like looking at the stations of the cross in the church mm-hmm. or looking at stained glass windows or looking at a painting or anything like that. You're like taking in, in images and you're reflecting on them without even realizing it because it's part of your surrounding and you're kind of like forced to do it yeah. because it's there. Right. Um, and so I wasn't really realizing that I was contemplating this painting until today, like now that I've been thinking back on it, which I just think is really cool because uh, in a lot of my like upbringing and stuff, icons or like images were always talked bad about, like in my evangelical years. Except for the one painting of Pentecost. No, in my evangelical oh, okay. years. Sorry. Hey, I corrected myself. No, I, I misheard you. Um, <clears throat> and those things were always uh, talked about as bad. And uh, I never really thought anything of it. I just kind of agreed. But um, the Catholic understanding of icons as windows into, the, into heaven or windows into the eternal, I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of, I don't know, like treat them as something that could show you a deeper truth than what text could or anything like that. Yeah, and one thing I really like, especially like from the actual like tradition of iconography, is if you look at all the different icons of Christ, they're all like a different facet of him. So there's, I forget exactly how you say it, like Pantocrator, but it's like Christ the teacher. And it's one, he's like holding up two fingers. He might be like holding a globe or something. And then there's like Christ the King of him, like in the throne with a crown and everything. And then there's like crucified Christ is another image and like the sacred heart. Like they're all pictures of the same person, but different facets. And so it, having an, you know, an icon or um, an image helps you to f- zero in on one particular facet, really study that. And I really love Christ the King. Um, and in our parish, when we lived in um, our old neighborhood in Philadelphia, behind the choir loft, there was a big stained glass window with mm-hmm. Christ the King at St. Bridget. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. And it's just, because I really, I don't think we really celebrate Christ as being like king. I know, it's, it's my enough. favorite. Like we have a whole feast day for it, but we don't really tie that in. And we should, we should hold all those things in balance. Like yeah. the crucified Christ, the risen Christ, you know the child Christ, Christ the King, they all should be really held in balance and co- I wouldn't say cohaved, but cohesively. <laughs> um, so I pretended earlier, like I knew the difference, but can you um, explain the difference between images and icons? Well, I was just saying an icon, when I think of icon, I think of like the traditional, like gold. Yeah. Like style of like a paint, like a holy image that's liturgical. Yes. In, in the Eastern tradition. So, like, are stained glass windows icons? They, I'm just saying, they, 
I think of an icon as being like a portable image used oh. in like the divine liturgy. Okay. I may not be. That's just, okay. they're all images, but yeah, that's yeah. a specific. It's a better image. term to it's use. Like images. Your, it's like your favorite term that. Um, what is it? All squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. Oh, you really love uh, that no, formulation. I love um, all monkeys are apes, but not all apes are monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I daydream about using that as a way to explain things to Jack. Oh. <laughs> like, if Jack is talking about something, like, oh, later on, whenever he understands this, I can use the apes oh, yeah. and monkeys. Because he's thing. getting kind of confused with animals and different types of animals. And kinds of things. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll use the term images for okay. the podcast. To make it sound yeah. Yeah, more scary to non-Catholics. Graven. To sound less scary. No, oh, graven images. images. Yeah, I don't know. I think of iconoclasm with icons. Well, that was like literally a backlash against the physical items. Right. But um, what I wanted to say about the images is that there's the cool thing about, I, I guess, especially for me since I am an artist. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that sounded Brought so. Brought that up again. <laughs> for me, as an artist, I think this just speaks to me a little differently because we have different souls. <laughs> Holly talks like that all the time, most of the time. It's so annoying. That's not what I. That's not true. <laughs> uh. She just goes up to people like, I, "You probably don't understand because you're not an artist like me." But that there's an artist behind these images, mm. and that. To portray the image in this way, they would have had to do a lot of contemplation in like a Lexio Divina kind of way, like mm-hmm. to put themselves into the moment. Um, like I think especially of, oh, I don't know the name of the painting or the artist. Oh, some oh. artist you are. <laughs> <laughs> I never claimed to be an art historian. But the um, Thomas. I think he, it's Caravaggio. Yeah. And he's like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> If you pick up an art history textbook, that's pretty much the duh of Thomas by Caravaggio. But I mean, that's what his... Yeah, it's like in... It's like, yeah, he captures that moment of like... I mean, like what Thomas says is my Lord and my God. Like, he captures that like, oh man, moment. Yeah. And so if you're sitting and looking at that, like, you can't help but see that expressed before you in a way that's different than just reading it. Yeah. And so I really started to appreciate that in the way that, and it's affected the way that I take in images within church or liturgy or, um, you know, any kind of religious thing that's depicting God. Um, and to, to kind of, ref- I've been reflecting a lot on contemplation and about how, I think it's just become new to me lately. I, I mentioned it in the last podcast, but I think. Like with this whole theology of the body thing, theology of the body is really cool and I really like it and it affects me a lot. Not just as an artist. <laughs> Wait, we were at the store. Holly, oh. We were trying to <laughs> stop. Uh, we were trying to like figure out what book to get and Holly was like, There's this one and there's this one and I think I said like like, Oh, I sure you don't want one that's like kind of more accessible, like an easy read and Holly was like, This is really important to me. <laughs> I said, I know that. I just didn't know if you wanted to use your gift card on this. Um, uh, it, it's really important to Holly. <laughs> I really like the theology of the body. But thinking, like pairing it all the way down into the, the title that uh, Pope St. John Paul II gave the talks, because that's what I call him, the full name. I know. Um, 
that man and woman, he created them. And I mentioned this in the last podcast. If you contemplate that alone from Genesis, that God created man and woman in his image, then that is where the theology of the body all stems from. Mm-hmm. And it is a, this huge like revelation of God, who he is and how that ties into the incarnate, like Jesus becoming man and the incarnation and how he loves us and how he reveals himself to us through us and through our relationship to each other. So like that, did you want to say something about that? Cause I'm about to move on. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that I think that lack of understanding of what that means as Catholics and as Christians, like how important it is to understand that we were created as male and female, like two complementary sexes, a lack of understanding of how important that is leads to a lot of sort of confusion. And cause a lot of, with, you know, all the stuff with sexuality and gender, gender and gay marriage and that kind of thing. A lot of people are just like, why do you care so much? Mm-hmm. And, but if you look at it, really the, the underpinning of everything, not of everything, but we at like our fundamental core God created us as men and women to live in relation with one another that like in order for us to um, be fruitful and multiply, we need communion mm-hmm. with one another. And it's like, it's, it's integral to our being. And the fact that God made man alone and said, that doesn't reflect me enough. He needs another mm-hmm. to compliment him. Like in this woman. Right. So that like that we as man and woman together fully express who God is. Yeah. Blows my mind. And you can get a lot out of that. So that alone has just taught me this like new understanding of contemplation and that I used to just think like, oh, contemplating. Yeah, contemplating. I was like, is it contemping? (laughs) No. (laughs) Contemping is when you work somewhere for a little bit, but you're not really hired yet. (laughs) contemplating something is more than just like thinking about it thinking about it it's like fully extracting as much as you can out of it well that's like it people like in lexio divina people i think confuse the the meditatio stage with the contemplatio Mm -hmm. like meditating is sort of like thinking about it and trying to understand it whereas contemplating is sort of letting it speak to you exactly because you you know you read you pray you meditate on it thinking like oh what do these words mean and the contemplation stage is almost passive mm-hmm. letting it kind of affect you and so like, i just think that letting these images affect you like i didn't realize how much they already were affecting me without me even realizing it. yeah and so whenever you turn the switch on to like let to be passive and to let them affect you mm-hmm. how much more impact they can have on your whatever you're looking at, whatever yeah. um, influence that has on you. Yeah, it's funny. When you, you were telling me about this earlier in the week, and I was like, oh, that sounds like something St. Bonaventure says mm-hmm. with um, reading. He had like three books, like his metaphor. There's the book of creation, the book of scripture, and the book of life. You're nodding like you know what I'm referencing. Because well, you you said something about the book of life. Yeah. But it's St. Bonaventure who said it. Yeah, not St. Augustine. Yeah. Um, and... The book of creation is sort of like creation. These are all metaphors. Understood. They're not actual books. Except for the book of scripture. But Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry. Right. Readjusting again. <laughs> she's, she's sitting back in the uncomfortable position again. I'm back. Um, so the book of creation is sort of crea- the created world. Um, 
and the St. Bonaventure says the book of scripture like fills in the deficiencies in the book of creation. So like what we cannot know about God through nature, we learn in scripture. So like the things that are revealed to us that we couldn't have figured out on our own. Got it. Um, and then the, from there, the book of life perfects that knowledge. And it kind of makes sense. So in creation, you have men and women like uniting to have children. And like we see that like, oh, that's that makes sense. And then through scripture, we see like, oh, this is why, because God is a creative God. Like through just creation, we can know that it is good for men and women to have babies, mm-hmm. you know, and for men and women to be together. It's not good for them, you know, to, as a, you know, not just, in, not individuals, but like as a species, not good for us to be apart. Um, then through scripture, we get an even greater meaning of it. And then through the book of life, which is just like exper- human experience, we perfect that knowledge. So I can know that it is good to get married and you can read all about marriage, but until you're married, you don't really have that sort of perfect knowledge of it mm. and how, you know, how good it actually is. Yeah. So it's kind of like what you're saying that the lived like experience of it perfects mm-hmm. your sort of intellectual understanding of it. Definitely. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you didn't know you were so into I mean, medieval scholasticism. But that all makes so much sense. Yeah. I, sometimes when we hear these saints say things, I'm like, gosh, and they knew that so far back then. Yeah. Yeah. They were pretty much, we solved everything in the like 14th century. <laughs> we didn't really need anything after that. And it's like, there are so many people today who are still searching to make that point. Yeah. Right there. And it's like, it's already been made. Oh, I saw, oh, man, there was some article where. I forget what it is. It was one of those articles where, like, some Protestant writer was saying, like, hey, what if we did things this way? And I'd be like... Yeah. Was it unrelevant? It may have been all... irrelevant. Versus, like, you should uh, read the catechism because it's... Oh, no, it was some book on marriage. And it was basically, like... I think the tagline was, like, what if marriage wasn't meant to make you happy but make you holy? Oh. And I'd be like... Wow. Oh, okay. Mind-blowing. I'm, gra- I'm glad you came to that point, but Catholics have been saying that for a long time. Thousands of years. <laughs> um but that just kind of goes to show you that like you can get there's something to this like mm -hmm. experience building on scripture definitely and creation you know natural law yeah because there that's something that i um that's been new to me since becoming catholic in the past five years of being catholic (laughs) um we we got married the day before pentecost do you remember that no (laughs) (laughs) you don't Daniel, I was telling the girls for our margarita night that, like, when I signed on to this Catholic faith, (laughs) I had no idea what I was getting into, like, in a really beautiful way. Mm. Like, I liked, I became Catholic because I really liked that I could go to any church anywhere and I could hear the same readings. Mm -hmm. Consistency. (laughs) (laughs) Like, throughout the country, everybody Mm -hmm. was reading the same readings that week. Um, And I really liked that the like continuity of it i love the universality of it mm-hmm. and the like the fact that it was because i was all about relationships which is why to the theology of the body is very important to me. <laughs> um, if you were a teenage girl you'd have a poster <laughs> theology. St. john paul ii on it oh my gosh i definitely would <laughs> but um that Oh, you made me lose my You're saying that you were you learned much more about the church after being in it. Yeah, because um, all I cared about was like this relationship that there is like this giant community of people in relationship. 
that's it. That's all I cared about. I didn't know about feast days. I didn't, so I had no idea. I mean, you that. understood the Eucharist and those kind of things. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't enter the church with like no knowledge of that, but um, I liked the relational sense of the Eucharist. But mm. there is no under. I didn't care about the feast of Pentecost yet. Mm. You know, it was still very new to me. So no, I don't remember that we have carried <laughs> the day before Pentecost. I didn't understand. Do we go? Do we go to mass on Sunday? I, I think know. our wedding was late enough for it to count. I remember you telling me that, but I don't know if I today believe you. I don't know. Anyway, sorry we sinned. <laughs> um, but this new oh yeah, back on track. Um, this new idea of like that nature. And contemplating nature in this way that we've been talking about um, can be like a revelation of God. And mm-hmm. looking at nature and looking at the natural world as it is can be a way, a like gateway into understanding God. Yeah, but I think it has to be built on. Well, it could sort of lead you to. You could also get, get sort of like a pantheism, like look how great the like a nature worship kind of thing. Oh yeah, but, but built, you meant built like for Christians building on scripture. Yeah, the like yeah. Catholic understanding of looking at nature, mm-hmm. um, and looking at the natural world and natural law, um, and basing just what Saint Bonaventure said. Yeah. Um, can you pull up the quote that I had? Okay, pulling up the quote. <laughs> <laughs> we have it on a big sheet. I don't know. <laughs> no, Daniel has control of the mouse. I do. But that's, that's what I'm allowed to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my friends posted this article on her Facebook about from this um, Baptist, I believe, um, guy. <laughs> <laughs> the Baptist guy, actually. <laughs> no, it's no. Dr. Robert Muller. Albert Moeller Jr. <laughs> um, and he has always like hate like been very adamant about not liking the Roman religion and like mm-hmm. anti. Papist, that's the yeah, that's, that's the right phrase, right? Yeah, um, he really doesn't like Catholicism, but he has this new book out called "We Cannot Be Silent: Speaking Truth to a Culture Redefining Sex, Marriage, and the Very Meaning of Right and Wrong." And there's this quote from it that I saw that like just kind of he realized that Catholics were right. Like the whole, <laughs> the whole article is about how he realized that we've been right about contraception and. Um, marriage all along and, and that protestants were wrong like caveat it's not that like all christians held that contraception was wrong up until the 1930s yeah. so it's more of like protestants are rediscovering that it was right before right. but not it's just, to not to hammer on yeah sorry protestants but who's, sorry what i'd say who which saint was the hammer of heretics was it oh i don't know was it francis de sales I don't know. I've never heard of so. that before, so I don't know. It's like a a pretty awesome nickname. <laughs> I don't think it was St. Francis Sales. He seems too nice. But I say that just because this article literally was saying that, like that's almost a quote from the article saying that um, Catholics are right about contraception all along and Protestants were wrong. That's not whatever. Um, but the quote from it that ties somewhat into what we're talking about is um, from his book, And it says, while traditionally used by Roman Catholic philosophers, theologians, and ethicists, natural law theory has also recently attracted the attention of some evangelicals. Of of course, all Christians should affirm the reality of the natural law because scripture itself affirms both the natural law and the reality of natural revelation. 
also called general general revelation, natural revelation, refers to the fact that God embedded the knowledge of himself and of his law in the universe. In other words, the creator displayed his own moral character and the appropriate moral structure of the universe in creation. So he's using this to talk to the, like, the um, conversation about contraception and marriage. But I think that he is kind of tapping into um, the Catholic understanding of what we've been talking about and that mm-hmm. like it's built God created us and he built himself within creation um and so if we if we merely just reflect on that and con- contemplate nature in that way we get to see more and more of God yeah which i think is super cool and it's especially like for christians to to understand like who have like that baseline and then mm-hmm. from there look at nature it just mm-hmm. makes it gives you like that much more of a leg up yeah and that's what um the priest at mass this morning his mm-hmm. homily was about basically uh, one part of it was about everything being in relation like from atoms to nature and ecosystems there nothing really is in a vacuum everything is relational because it's created is by god who is in you know the trinity god is ultimately relational you know a constant giving between and receiving mm-hmm. between the three persons. So he can't make something that's not because that's who he is. If it comes from him, it must be. Right. And if nature is, you know, contains the imprint of the creator, and especially for human beings, if we're made in the image and likeness of God, we have to have that relational nature. Exactly. So you can, yeah. And it kind of just gives you the correct lens to look at everything. It's like through informed by scripture. And it's sort of like where science has, where science began in like sort of the academy in the medieval ages um, of kind of wanting to know more about creation. That was sort of like the initial goal. Like Mm -hmm. what can we discover about creation? And Bishop Robert Barron talks about this a lot. I was just about to reference it. He does. He talks about how like in order to do science, you have to assume that uh, nature is not God, otherwise you wouldn't experiment on it. And you have to assume that nature is somehow intelligible. So, like, in order for you to be able to learn something about nature, you have to first assume that you can learn something from nature, that mm-hmm. it's intelligible, you can figure it out. It's not just, you're not just going to hit a brick wall. Right. He, um, he, I was just listening to one of his Word on Fire podcasts that was uh, refuting this, like, Bill Nye, the science guy video. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he was talking, or I listened to like three of his in a row, so it's possible it's a different <laughs> episode, but it seems like this fits in with him. But he was saying that a lot of people use science as like this, science is definitive and the unknown must not be accurate because it doesn't fit into science, mm-hmm. where that has to be, it has to be reversed. That like science is trying to f- understand the unknown, and if it is still unknown, it just means that we, that it's beyond our understanding it, you, Not it, that it escapes the scientific mode of knowledge exactly yeah um not that it's not false there. yeah yeah or not there yeah but um just because our science is our way of measuring and um putting into our own understanding something that is beyond our understanding mm-hmm. in creation yeah because it is from a amazing creator who is with like beyond all of our language yeah so mm-hmm. but going back to contemplating nature and, and just life in general like something that kind of struck me 
this morning really it's like kind of been hitting me as i was jack was sitting on my lap and oh and last night i was listening to this podcast um it's, it's called stuff you should know it's from like the discovery oh, no, channel don't tell the story. i'm not gonna tell the story but okay. <laughs> it's a really sad story but daniel told me right before i was going to sleep because well, i needed night. to relieve myself because i was worried about it i thought it was gonna be a happy thing it was so sad um so it's so in the podcast they basically just like spend one episode on a topic um and this one was on this like mysterious disappearance of a family's children in 1945 and it would like just listening to it it just like having children now and like like you can intellectually think like oh yeah i know what these people are going through but like until you have a child you're like no it's you don't understand it until you can put yourself in their shoes fully and like at matt so like the idea of like losing any of our children was just like it's a like fresh. and maybe and that's why I like ran upstairs and told Holly because it was like really f- freaking me out like just the thought of that because there's also all these weird things going on with it. Um, but then in, at mass this morning with Jack, um, I was just sitting with him in my lap and he's gotten like cuddlier lately, mm-hmm. which we both remarked on, which it's is so really great. awesome. He like rubs the back of my head when he's sitting with me and it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I was just thinking about how much I love him. And that how much God loves us is so much beyond that. And it's just, like, it's almost unbelievable. Like, how can some, like, I am not nearly as cuddly as Jack is, you know? And I am, you know, I don't express my love for my father, for God, as much as Jack does. And yet God Mm. loves me so much more. And, like, Mm. holds me so much closer, you know? Like, it's just incredible. But so, like... Yeah, until you experience that and really contemplate that, you can't, you don't get it. And it seems like so cliched, like, like oh, you'll understand when you have kids, or like, you'll understand when you're older. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so annoying when you're younger, or you're not in that situation, but it really is true. Until you experience something, you cannot have the same sort of perfect knowledge of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, these images and nature and just the world around us, it's... It's not like Jesus became incarnate and said, here's how it is. We didn't get scripture. And then we're like, all right, now you guys know, come up to heaven. Mm -hmm. Now that you guys know what the plan is. Like, we're still here on earth and we're still amongst God's creation to put sort of that knowledge to use. Not to make Christianity sound utilitarian, but like, it's, there's more to it than just knowing it. There's like living it out. There's experiencing it. And that's why, yeah, that's why God has us live our lives and it's not just like like oh okay you get it come up to heaven right you know we're allowed to live our lives after you know after we say yes to jesus yeah 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 and he walks with us and he shows us himself through so many different things and if you think of um if you think of the virgin mary like the story didn't end at her yes like it, it begins there (laughs) <laughs> that's good that's the movie theater yeah trailer. <laughs> what'd you say that's the movie trailer yeah <laughs> hey, write it down <laughs> just kidding we'll, we'll we'll listen to it later but it's really like it's not over till it's over kind of thing like you don't no sorry no, i'm just gonna throw out phrases and there's just this dumb there was this dumb scene from the show that we liked where it's not over till it's over remember in what show? Falling Skies. Oh, yeah. That's the, the fight isn't over till it's over. 
But they, it's not over till it's over. Yeah, okay. Oh, it's the worst. Songs, guys. It was a really good show. Kind of went off the rails towards the end. Sorry. But yeah, sorry. there's so much more to know. There is. It's almost like going to college. Like, you learn more from life than you college kind of thing. Like, yeah, definitely. And how, like, education is supposed to, like, just to get the knowledge and then apply it. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, we just get... We just get these little tastes of heaven, too. Like, yeah, it's not over, but we're still going towards this goal of heaven. And so we, it's not like um, we say yes, and then he, that yes is only, um, it stays there. Like, it gets, it gets bigger, bigger and bigger more. and bigger, and yeah. you get to know him more and more and more. And you get to long for heaven, hopefully, with more and more earnest, earnesty. Ernest. Ernestacy. <laughs> what is the Earnestness. Word? Earnestness. <laughs> but it all, like what you said, it requires contemplation and like a slowing down and a mm-hmm. looking. Because like even it's very easy for Christians to be like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I know it. I'm just going to pray here, do this, mm-hmm. and just kind of go through life without that sense of like awe and wonder and desire to like know more. Right. And I think like I keep talking about nature, so I like – I'm a visual person, like I keep saying. She's so I, an artist. <laughs> Stop it. So I keep seeing, like, mountains and, like, snow and stuff. But, like, just, um, like, nursing blaze. Mm-hmm. That alone is um, something that, like, God is revealing his nature to me as a parent to our son. Yeah. So, like, I can provide for him with my physical body for his physical health the way that Christ does for me in the Eucharist. Yeah. Like there's, it's just, there's an infinite amount of things for us to know about him just through living life. Yeah. And even like through brokenness, like it's not just good things. Like you can see how things can be harmful and like knowing that, like if you see someone struggling, your understanding of, you know, sin and redemption and what's offered to all of us informs how you see those scenes too and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So if you see someone who's really struggling, like, you have a better appreciation of what they're going through, of what sin means and what it can do. So it's really, there isn't... Or if you're going through it too. Yeah. yeah. Like there's no no thing that doesn't reflect creation or doesn't, cannot be like contemplated and, you know, figure out how the creator relates to it because everything is creation. So even if it's... He is present in all things. Right. So even there's a situation where like there's no God here, you could still, through contemplation, see God is somewhere here, or there's you know. Yeah, sorry, I'm just thinking about like ch- child soldiers in Africa. And right. It's like, but it's still like that that your heart breaks for them tells you something. You right. Know? Yeah. And that experience of sorrow unites you to Christ. You know. Mm-hmm. And like seeing. I just got seeing... so sad for the kids. <laughs> well, yeah, but like seeing that, you know, imagine what. God feels for all his children all over the world who are going through those things. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to slow down and contemplate things and not. Like, let life happen to you. Yeah. And not be like, I feel like all of our attention spans have been killed by like. Smartphones. Yeah. Like, I, I can, I remember the times I actually read a full article of something online rather than just like skimming it. Because it's just, we don't. But even the same thing with, like, people and interactions. How often do we really just enjoy them and, mm-hmm. like, just sit with them? 
and like and enjoy ref- life and like, to reflect on it to like, sit and like reflect after like i really hate that right now in our life because the boys are so crazy we can't sit after mass and mm. like just reflect on the time that we just had yeah i mean we just can't there's just but there is can't. like this afternoon we sat and like blaze was sitting on your lap and jack was mm-hmm. playing with this little um a backhoe. A little backhoe. <laughs> backhoe. <laughs> yeah. He saw a backhoe, like the big digger things, and he's been really into them. I mean, so into And them. we remembered that we hid, uh, we had a toy that's a backhoe, and we hid it from him because <laughs> he was throwing it or something. But we brought it back out. And he loved it. And we just sat, and he just was, like, trying to, like, scoop stuff with the with the bucket. Imaginary dirt. Yeah. And just and doing it. it. Yeah. And we just, it was just so lovely to, like, sit there and just, like, look at him and see, like, he's becoming a little boy like he's far from a baby and like seeing blaze there and seeing like what's in store for him and just taking that moment and we could have tried to like play a game with jack and say like oh can you do this or that but instead we just kind of like sat there and let it happen mm-hmm. and i think that's i mean we didn't talk about it before but like we both know that was like a really special moment mm-hmm. it was so sweet <laughs> he was so focused cause he was breathing all heavy oh yeah that's how you could tell jack's concentrating because you hear him going <sighs> Because he, like, holds his breath to, like, get it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, God God is everywhere. God, yeah. God is present in all things because he created all things. Mm-hmm. So, you just got to use what you know and and put it put it to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Of all the great phrases I couldn't think of. What was the one I said earlier? Oh, that's not the end. It's just the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. But that's all we have. Yeah, and we're actually we're going on vacation. We're going oh, back shoot. to North Carolina, so we may not podcast for a little while. Um Pro- hopefully it'll only only be one week that we don't podcast. We'll be going oh, for two weekends. Two yeah. weekends. I so, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how keep your ear out. Yeah. Um but yeah, during that time, uh we'll be praying for you. Please mm-hmm. pray for us, especially for travels. And also, um I just wanted to say sorry, I'm playing with the chair. Um Thank you to everyone who emailed um, the podcast about work and yeah. those kind of struggles. We got a good amount of feedback from. So just thank you to everyone who reached out and offered advice. It was really good to um, just hear from people and hear that, like, that's not out of the ordinary. A lot of people yeah. struggle with those same things with work and trying to hold it all together. So thank you very much to those who um, reached out to us. If you want to reach out to us. Oh. Uh, nice (laughs) we're getting good see 50 episodes in we're finally getting the segues um you can email us at halfway saints podcast at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at halfway underscore saints Mm -hmm. and like us on facebook that's it that's it have a great week or couple of weeks um Mm -hmm. enjoy uh corpus christi's coming up Mm -hmm. it's on the calendar it is we have it on our calendar but <laughs> look at your calendars probably <laughs> no but really yeah take some time this next week and just enjoy life and especially through you know the liturgy and what's going around you as well mm-hmm. yeah so um yeah see we'll you later see you later <laughs> bye bye